Hi, everybody. A lot has happened since Zeus and I did our last COVID update, which had to do with our own personal experience and all the practical things we used to get through it, uh, most of which we spoke about in that show. But since then, a lot of things have happened, both in terms of new research coming out, in terms of the Delta variant spiking even further around the world, and also um, politically. And I think that's probably what's most disturbing to me. So we're going to cover a lot of ground in a short amount of time. So hang on to your hats. Let's go to Zeus. Hi, Zeus. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. a lot of people got a lot out of our last interview. We received a ton of comment because nobody had just explained kind of the nuts and bolts on the ground, what the options are with uh, COVID very well, and uh, people seem to resonate with that. And so I, I first I want to start by saying to everybody, um, you know, I'm really upset. Uh, a friend of mine died yesterday, Christy, died from COVID. And she was in the camp that believed COVID didn't exist. Even though she was short of breath, she was getting dizzy, wasn't feeling well for days. Mutual friends said to her, go get tested, go to the hospital, do something. You probably have COVID. She refused and, and literally killed over dead in the back of her brother's car. Now, I literally chewed her out after she was out of her body um, because this was unnecessary. And this political discussion has to end. The fact is that spike protein is very real. And I'm going to just share a little bit more about putting this whole thing to rest, that this, these bioweapons are nasty and they're in our bodies. Whether you're getting a vaccination, it's in your body. Whether you've gotten COVID naturally as we did, it's in your body. It's going to be in most of our bodies around this planet. So um, Zeus, I'm going to read a little something that has to do with this lab theory thing in a recent article that came out before we really start diving into the current science of it. Is that okay with you? Sure. Okay, so this uh, was from about a week ago. There was an article that came out. The primary scientists that swayed the public away from the notion this could have been a man-made lab-leaked uh, virus or spike protein, uh, so their emails were intercepted. And so we're talking about the main cast of characters, including one of the key characters that was working at University of North Carolina, which we talked about before, Chapel Hill. This is where... Um, they were doing the gain-of-function research. So this is what it said. Discussions between scientists Shan Lu Li and Linda Safe, both of Ohio State University, Susan Weiss of the University of Pennsylvania, and Li Shan Su, who at the time was employed at the University of North Carolina. Lu is saying, I completely agree with you, but rumor says that furin site may be engineered. Weiss is saying back to her, so for me, the only significance of this furin site is as a marker for where the virus came from. Frightening to think it may have been engineered. Now, there was much more damning. I just couldn't read the whole thing. The bottom line of that article was they, it, they indicated in their emails that, yes, they do, did have to consider this was a lab-created virus. And these are the ones that convinced the whole world it wasn't. So let's just put that to bed. I think we can all agree now the spike protein is not made in nature. It is a bioweapon, and it was made to hurt people, you know, to spread quickly, to go deeply, and cause damage to the human body. So with that, Zeus, we're back on together now. and We need to speak about this. Um, there are so many 
places to go from here. But one of them is let's dig down into the research of what's actually happening by way of in, uh, the, the spike protein being inserted into us via vaccines. We're also getting it naturally. Let's just go ahead and talk about that well, for a moment. Let me minute. just do a very short history of this because even the Spanish flu, which killed what, you know, 60 million people, 40 to 60 million people, um, uh, both the so-called swine flu and the epidemic that happened right after that, the H1N1 epidemic in Russia and China, were all related to the military. The, um, they first out, uh, broke out within soldiers. Uh, in every single one of them, there was a very simple relationship to bioweaponry. And it simply was this. If you save a virus out for a good 50 years, only the older people will have immunization to that, right? Because it will have mutated through the decades. And then if you reinflict that original virus onto a young population, young soldiers, they can get sick, mm. right? And that's what happened with the Spanish flu. It just coursed through young populations. Now, they didn't have the sophistication we had, have now, but they had enough knowledge to know that viruses mutated over time and that people lose immunity to the ones that are decades and decades old. If it's 40 or more years old, it can lose it. What they found with the swine flu and the H1N1 that came from China and Russia, both of those connected, by the way, to the military, was that it was an older version, right? <laughs> that it could not have naturally progressed along that line. And so there was deliberate bioweaponry implications for that. Right. Now we've changed the game. Because now we can make newer versions or purposely use genetic engineering to take all the worst parts. This is what gain-of-function research is. You basically take all the worst parts of viruses, you splice them together genetically to create a virus in this case that can be transmitted very easily through respiration, can get into your blood and into your uh, <clears throat> uh, veins and into your uh, circulatory system, and, and, and gain a foothold there, and then another uh, insertion, an HIV-like insertion that allows for greater attachment and splitting this furin cleavage site you're talking about into the cell. So now we've gone from the old way of doing bioweaponry, which is just to hold something out of circulation until immunization moves past it and then re-inject it back into, into the population to kill off mainly soldiers and young people, to one now that has these specialized engineering splicings that go forward. Now, the US government has admitted that this has done in Wuhan with, in conjunction with the Chinese military. Yeah. And we did a report on that several yeah. months ago, as a matter of fact. Yeah. I, I don't think that's even up for debate anymore. Right. It has changed a little bit. I think that's what's different about this is with gain of function research, we're now outstripping evolution, right? We can't go back to a form of virus, look at what vaccines and what kind of ways we had of dealing with that and maybe use that knowledge and bring it forward. Now we're actually catapulting things into the future, creating bugs that would never have arisen in nature. That's why now, I really wanted to bring this up. This isn't something that arises in nature and no. it's not something that can be fixed the way we're trying to fix it. And so the debate, which another thing that really ticked me off is, which is why we put this together quickly to do this today. I was going to do a whole different interview is because, um, 
Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York City, came out today and said that he was going to, that, that uh, public employees um, have to have the vaccine. He eliminated the option to get COVID testing. Now this has been floated in California as well, where you either have to get testing every week, COVID testing every other week or every week, or you have to get the vaccine. And I think in Indiana, what is it? It's mandatory now in Indiana. So now we're reaching that kind of horrific place. We hoped we would never end up because as you have well stated, Zeus, the debate is not between the vaccinated and unvaccinated. The debate and the purpose of this report is between the immune and those who are not immune. That's a big difference. And it's, it's much more complex a story than what you're being foisted by the media. By the way, Donald Trump apparently was booed at a rally in the South because he was telling people to go out and get their vaccines. So strange bedfellows all the way around. Who's controlling this narrative, right? So right. take it away. And I, and I would add to that, it's not a left or right divide. Right. There has been, as you mentioned with your Christy, who was more on that sort of right side of things, uh, right and politically at least aligned, thinking it was all just a hoax. On that side, I think that the major problem is ignorance in the sense that not taking, not respecting this seriously enough to recognize, despite what choice you make, take taking steps to protect yourself and realize it's real. And on the neoliberal side, fear and anxiety, which by the way, is the second highest um, risk factor for this virus. Literally, it's just a couple hundreds below obesity and diabetes is fear and anxiety. And we did talk about that in our last, uh, the Delta variant. Yes. But that one is driven by fear. And they're using that fear and trauma to drive people to vaccines, much like, you know, the silly thing that the shoe bomber drove us to take all our shoes off, give us some feeling that we'll have safety that has no real relationship to our actual safety. And vaccines actually have the potential, especially in certain populations, to have greater risk, especially young populations, than lesser risk. Now, that could be the opposite when you get back into older populations, and we've talked about that too. Mm -hmm. We've had a very measured approach here. We haven't been anti-vax or pro-vax. We've been pro not only immune versus non-immune, but pro maximizing your benefit versus the risk. Absolutely. And yeah. that's left to each one of us to have to do our own research to intuit how our bodies are functioning, our state of health, so we can make a proper decision. And the science is being eliminated. Now, I want to say one person that stood up and said the problem here is nobody's actually reading the science was okay. a fellow named Dr. Dan Stock, who I'm also going to be talking with. And many of you know his video that went viral in Indiana, talking to one of the regional uh, school boards, and he stood up and said, you're not being told the truth, and it's up to you to protect our children to do the actual research. And he gave some, and we're going to talk to him about a lot of this uh, in another interview following this. So yeah. it, it's really important to understand that people are in, in high, high positions of authority are not following the science. And that's what has me so upset here. So let's go, Zeus, let's go to natural immunity. Let's go to the 17 year back SARS quote epidemic. And what happened when the blood analysis came in after their blood 17 years later was exposed to COVID and start talking about 
natural immunity from people previously infected. And then we're going to go to immunity with vaccines. And then we're going to go to the most vulnerable groups and look at the best way for each of us to approach this. Right. If we had the best of all worlds, we wouldn't even get, we'd be protected from the initial infection. Um, T-cell immunity provides an initial, oftentimes if you've had something similar to that in the past, a coronavirus, even colds are coronaviruses, that SARS-1 coronavirus has been shown 17 years later to give some memory, T-cell memory immunity to SARS-CoV-2, the one that is underlies COVID-19. In your natural or innate immune system, your body uses a much more comprehensive approach, a first-line defense that prevents the viral replication from happening in the first place, and a whole kind of comprehensive system there, and then an antibody, IgG, IgA, antibody defense mechanism that helps to clean up if those viral replication really begins to hit. Turns out about, I think it's like 20% of the people, a decent number of the people who were exposed to SARS-CoV-2, the COVID-19 one, didn't have an IgG or antibody response. Doesn't mean that they have an inept uh, immune system. It means they actually have a, a very much better one. They have a one that is so good at fielding it from the outset, it's really preventing the, the, vi the virus from replicating that much. Now they had enough virus in there to be tested positive on these PCRs. Okay. And not enough to kick in a full antibody response. And now right. we need to look at some point, we'll be looking at that. Your IgG antibody levels that can be read for anybody that's already been infected with, mm -hmm. with COVID is one metric of analysis for what your natural immunity is doing. But right. though, that can go away over time, but it doesn't right. mean your immunity has gone away because right. of what you just talked about, the T cell response. So let's go right. into that just a little deeper, Zeus. Yeah, the T cell response, and, and they are claiming, I read some articles claim that immune uh, vaccines can help to evoke some degree of, of immune or T cell response depending on the virus. And that's a really, really critical factor, depending on the virus. mRNA vac uh, viruses and vaccines themselves have been a lot more slippery. Um, it looks to me like vaccines and, and have, have presented significantly more risks in that. I wouldn't say significantly. In some cases, presented more risks. Now, dengue, by the way, people who've gotten dengue end up having cross immunity, significantly, statistically significant cross immunity for SARS-CoV-2. And this was surprising to them because it was a different family of viruses which only reinforces the notion that natural immunity is a lot more comprehensive as well as a lot more long lasting than we thought. With vaccines, it's much more like trying to hit a target. If that target either moves because the, the virus mutates, right? right? Or you're a little bit off, you miss it. Natural immunity is more like hitting the broadside of a barn. <laughs> So, okay, so let's go back to the study where um, they took a very, very large sampling, thousands of people that had uh, the original SARS 17 years ago, mm -hmm. and then they, they took some blood, drew blood, and exposed their blood to the new virus, the COVID-19. And right. what were the findings on that? Because this is a, an 80% match 
uh, genetically to the original mm -hmm. virus, 80%. Now, just to put that in perspective, the Delta variant is 99.7% the same as the original COVID we got two years ago, right? A year and a half, two years ago. Very, very tiny variant. The, the variant is very tiny variants. Well, so it's in we the spike protein, so that could be significant. In the Especially around vaccines, yeah. but when it comes to a natural or comprehensive approach, it's not nearly as significant. If yes. you target the one part that's changing, then yes. all of a sudden, I, like I said, that target's beginning to move, and you may be hitting at a, at a previous target that's no longer there. So, right. so this, this experiment, uh, that one we're talking about, right. what were the findings on that? There was significant cross-immunity. I mean, a statistically significant cross-immunity SARS-CoV-2, not only, not only SARS-CoV-1, but a whole host of coronaviruses. Some people had never been exposed to SARS-CoV-1, and 20 to 50% of those people have cross-immunity or cross-reactivity with regard to SARS-CoV-2, uh, the one that underlies COVID-19. So... It wasn't that long ago where even the best experts in the consensus was that there was no memory at all within our innate immune system. And now we're finding not only is the memory there, all right? Because I, I was looking online, I was looking in textbooks, they're like no memory or very limited memory. And now that consensus has changed because the science has shown with greater accuracy and being able to pinpoint um, that, that in fact, the natural immunity does have significant memory. And this is just one example of that. So I use this in two cases. One, to show that natural immunity has certain benefits that are not being seen because it's much more comprehensive and integrated. It's a lot easier to study a very targeted thing, um, but also to challenge the notion of scientific consensus especially when that consensus is captured by industry for right. purposes of profits. You do not make profit off a of natural immunity. You do not make profits off of healthy people. This, this may seem like a truism, but if you are a company wanting to make profit off the of pharmaceuticals, you need the problem to exist for you to make your profit. Well, this has gone so far, Zeus, and you and I both read this article the same day a couple of weeks ago. It was so upsetting where the FDA made a, an announcement to the public suggesting that they do not get an antibody test. Mm -hmm. I thought, wait a minute. If you want to find out if you have immunity, you would want to have an immunity test. You'd want to mm -hmm. have it, particularly the IgG longer immunity test to see that you, you are producing those antibodies. And I thought, why would they do that? Why would they tell us to be, remain ignorant about our own immune status? That is very worrying to me because one of a couple things is happening. Either they don't want people to know they are immune and thus do not need these shots and boosters in that case, or if they have had um, COVID-19 um, vaccinations, they might find that the immunity is wearing off because they are finding it seems to be waning and not particularly effective against the Delta variant in terms of spread and minor infections. So it doesn't seem to be, the Delta doesn't seem to be as uh, deadly in terms of the death rate and all of that. Especially so, young people. But it is becoming more deadly to people with vaccines. That is correct. I mean, because we have viral overload. I want to make be measured about this because I don't want this video to be, you know, uh, challenged 
scientifically, it still looks like people who are unvaccinated are the ones getting hit the worst overall, okay? Now, it does appear that people who are exposed to the COVID-19 virus, recover from it, are in better shape. Longer lasting immunity, now nine months and counting versus the immunity from the Pfizer vaccine is diminishing after six months. You know, um, in terms of hospitalization and being reinfected, uh, uh, you know, very, very low on that. Hospitalizations, still better than unvaccinated, unexposed people so far, but that number is going up. Right. Uh, the hospitalized vaccinated people is going up amid the Delta variant. The Delta variant has put a real challenge because the original vaccines were targeted toward a spike protein. Again, that spike protein is mutating. And these new vaccines aren't as capable of that. When you have natural immunity, you're not just targeting the spike protein, you're targeting not only the whole protein itself, the whole virus itself, but you're having all this cross-reference from all this cross-immunity from similar viruses, right? also inputting into your immune response. So you have a more comprehensive or integrated approach. I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club and other live events with special guests. So join in, thanks. So Zeus, let's go to um, what's actually happening. And well, for example, since we last talked, the Barnstable, Massachusetts study came out that was kind of leaked out through the CDC, which essentially showed that 75% of the people getting COVID were double vaccinated, fully vaccinated people. And of the hospitalizations of which there weren't that many, 80% of them were vaccinated people. Mm -hmm. Tiny study, but it was significant to look at trends. Now, if and it was from the CDC itself. It's from the CDC, CDC webpage. It's not, this is not some, some kind of alternative thing. It was actual study and data from the CDC on a CDC webpage. That it is correct. It wasn't what they wanted to have out there, no. but they had to released it <laughs> okay, <laughs> after, no. a leaked, after a leaked slideshow. Yes. You know, so so, so now let's go to, before because we want what we're working our way toward is saying, look, every one of us is in this together unvaccinated and and those who are vaccinated and those who have already had COVID. All, these groups are all in this together. We need to look at how we're going to contend with it as a species, and that is our interest, but we need to lay the foundation for it. So let's look at what happened in Israel. Okay, go ahead and get the stats on Israel. Well, in Israel, they had a study within the last month or so, maybe month and a half, which showed Israel is a great test case because it's in a developed country, has very, very rigorous statistics and, and, and studies and testing for its population. They and had vaccination rates. They had almost all of their population took the Pfizer shot. So you had that consistency. 80 to 85% of them, I believe, of the adult population anyway, had that vaccine. So they were in a... In a in a level where they should have reached herd immunity, right? If the vaccine was effective. Um, and then along comes this Delta variant, okay? But even before the Delta variant, the, the Delta variant just accentuated everything. What they found was that the efficacy 
of this Pfizer vaccine was reduced significantly. It went from the stated before, I think 94% at the beginning, and it went all the way down to 39% in this particular study. What's more interesting is that the people who got it initially in January, the first ones getting it, it went down to 16, that's one six percent. So if you look by month by month, okay, the longer, <laughs> the longer you went from your actual vaccination to the present day, it went from six, it went from 16%, something like up in 30 or 40%, and it got up to like 75%, but those were ones right, you know, very close by had been vaccinated. What this shows us is that it will provoke a response. And if you're older, underlying conditions, that initial response may be enough to aid your rather weathered innate immune system to deal with the symptoms and to deal with the sort of challenge of this, what we think are as bioengineered virus. So there's some case to be made for there, but it's not a long-term case. And certainly for young people, there's not a case because their risk is so low and the possible complications and side effects significant enough to make a different calculation there. Okay. Right. And, and I think what's disturbing here is that Pfizer itself uh, said, look, we, these are not as effi uh, efficacious as we thought they would be. It is appearing it's going to be beneficial for you all to have yet a third dose of this. So mm -hmm. they're stating this is not working as we expected. Mm -hmm. And the FDA said, good, we'll approve it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's happening, what, today, tomorrow? It's happening right, right around we this We were initially going to reprove it for people that were immunocompromised and people with underlying conditions that were older. And now they're just trying to get blanket approval across the board. I think, it's, I think the FDA is set to approve it this week. But the point is, even Pfizer says this isn't working. The Israeli statistics show it isn't working. And then talk about the U.S. statistics. And I'm not saying not working at all. It's not working in the way they originally had thought it might work, which was to stop transmission and thus create a stability in the population of the spread. That part's not working at all. It's not working at all. The Barnstable County study, this happened in July, early to mid-July, and was reported in late July. So this is very, very recent. Showed that, again, 75% of the people were double vaccinated. Four out of the five people that were hospitalized were, were double vaccinated. And here's an interesting story, too over 50% of those people who were double vaccinated were symptomatic. Yeah. So it wasn't even pro producing symptoms. So now they've changed the ball, <laughs> the whole game. They were selling it as protecting you from getting infected. First of all, you can't, with respiratory viruses, Dr. Stock will show you that that's not really possible. Okay, you will be exposed to it. It's just, it just gets out there. Then they said it was going to protect you from passing it on. We challenged that way back when, and I did. I said, there's no study showing that to be the case. Turns out it does neither of those things. Well, so in they, fact, in the U.S., isn't the statistic also similar down to 42% efficacy in terms of the... Right. The 42% was uh, gained through the, um, uh, through the Defender, which is uh, RFK Jr.'s uh, site, the Children's Health Defense. Now, it's a very scientifically valid, but it's oftentimes labeled as anti-vax, okay? So uh, take that for what it is. But usually the science doesn't get address that much, just as with the FLCCC, because the science is good, okay? Um, and this 42%, again, Pfizer, Moderna, Pfizer more so. The, 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 the Pfizer vaccine is the one here in the United States that very much mirrors Israel. Israel was 39%, United States is 42%. What was interesting about the Israel data 
is that only 1% of the new cases were people that had had a, I guess you would say, a, a been exposed or tested positive for COVID-19 or for the SARS-CoV-2 virus. 40% of those people were ones that were vaccinated. Right. So we, what we're finding is that as this uh, complex disease develops, because COVID-19 is springing out of a whole bunch of variations and mutations, okay? We are seeing efficacy of vaccines dropping, the longevity of the effectiveness of those vaccines beginning to drop as well. You can still make the argument it's better than not being vaccinated and unexposed, but it's very hard to make the argument that it's better than natural immunity. The question then becomes, will mat gaining that natural immunity, which requires natural exposure, be that, will that be too much of a risk for you, right? Right, and that is, that is the question. That's the personal well, choice. And the problem with the personal choice now is that it's being eliminated. Not only it that, is. like you said, not even, they're not even allowing you to be tested. And here's the thing that drives you and me crazy. There's no immune passport and recognition that natural immunity by and large is superior, longer lasting, and should be given actually more weight. And what's upsetting is this isn't even being brought up in any media that we're seeing. We're seeing mm -hmm. virtually nothing that says, wait a minute, shouldn't we be looking at immunity? Isn't that the point here? Mm -hmm. Very logical, very simple, very direct. Tests can be done. They're right there. Antibody mm -hmm. tests are available to anybody. Uh, being completely ignored in the media. Well, we don't have to look too far at that. Oh, we have to do a look at the fact that Pfizer had already, what, racked up about 33 billion, and they said by the time they get through the end of this year and the boosters, we're talking a profit. We're talking about income of $45 billion off this vaccine. The, the, the most expensive, highest grossing, highest profit drug ever made. So that's your story. I mean, that's really at the heart of the story. So now let's well, look. Well, I want to liken it to the war in Iraq. I mean, sure. Because what ends up happening, as with these drug companies, the more sick people have and the more your vaccine actually doesn't succeed, just like if you don't succeed in winning a war and it just drags on forever, that produces this guaranteed locked in profit source. Absolutely. So there's no real incentive to create a successful vaccine, even if you could, because if you did, bam, where now are you going to use it for? You have to move on. You have to do more research and development, more expense. Whereas these, you make little tweaks and each little tweak becomes a newly patented one <laughs> that you can begin. You can try to patent it. newly improved in spite of certain issues, major yeah. issues. And this is where I find the most criminal thing has happened. News media is to blame for it. Social media is to blame for it. Big science, big pharma is to blame for it. There is yet to be, a year and a half later, a single recommendation for at-home therapy when you have actually contracted COVID-19. It's almost like the subtext is, tisk tisk. you should have gotten a vaccine. What they gave to President Trump back in October of 2020 were the very things that big media is going against and calling pseudoscience now. They gave him zinc, they gave him aspirin, they gave him vitamin D. All of these had already had research showing they had significant reductions in mortality and symptomology. They gave him melatonin. 
they also gave them stuff we can't have. Yeah, exactly. Like monoclonal antibodies from Regeneron, and they gave them remdesivir, which we now know doesn't work and is no longer recommended by the WHO because it doesn't work. They gave them they dexamethasone. Gave, they gave them dexamethasone, and you, who was at the front line of that? FLCC's Pierre Corey, the one that you mentioned, and they were going ahead and trying to shout him down. And now we know that that stuff works, and they also gave the thing in Pepsin, uh, Pepsid, which you know has whatever some degree of, of efficacy, and still to this day, they will not admit that these alternative therapies, especially when you've gotten it, and there really is nothing else. You can't get an immunization or a shot against something you already have. They still won't do it. If anyone comes at you and goes full of the science, I'm seeing this thing on Facebook. It's horrible. It says, "I got vaccinated. Why haven't you? You f and effer." You know, and I'm like, you, you, you're an idiot, basically saying you're an idiot and, and using the, the F word. And I said, look, The Lancet magazine, one of the foremost medical journals in the entire world, published a study so-called debunking hydroxychloroquine, right, way back. And it turns out it was a complete and utter fraud. Lancet had to retract it with a mild meocopa. Nobody said, look at these anti-science people trying to debunk hydrochloroquine. No, there was no consequence and no mention of it in the media, okay? These people were wrong. They were wrong and, 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 and yet there was no consequence for it. But in my opinion, as you said it earlier, it's, it almost constitutes a criminal conspiracy to right. publicly withhold information of the very things that can help you either not develop symptoms or once you develop symptoms, manage them. And even once you have COVID, manage COVID to, to completion as we did back to good health. Yeah. All of that, that's a conspiracy to keep that information away from the public almost across the board. It's, I'm really depressed over this because of the disinformation that is confusing more and more people into now think considering a third shot. Right, I mean, right. and what we shot. saw with Dr. Huff is that these, we have to understand about the vaccine is that there's a nano science to it, which we have not tested, that gets it, slips it easily into your cells. It's slipping these very, very, uh, I, some people would call it, say, deadly, uh, but certainly cytotoxic uh, spike proteins into your cells. And it's tricking your body into producing more of them. According to his research, these things then get stuck on the inside of capillaries, okay, producing... Circulatory system. Your, your circulatory... And we already have something called VITT, vaccine-induced intravenous thrombosis, thrombolytic thrombosis, something like that, which it basically is vaccine-induced clotting. Now, they're saying it's happening with just a few people, okay, so we'll take that under advisement. But what this doctor said was that, yes, those are the major clots, the ones that can be recognized, but we could, they could probably or conceivably also create microclotting. Okay, Zeus, now I don't remember the doctor's name because I'm terrible with names, but I'm sure you do. Uh, it's a, a long show we listened to recently, and he was talking about the fact that when they examined the blood 
of people, and this includes people vaccinated, what they were finding was that there were these microclots. You mentioned the big clots earlier, but there were these microclots going on. Let's talk about that for just a moment before we start going into solutions. Well, I mean, the, the doctor's name is Dr. Charles Hoff, family physician from British Columbia. And uh, his basic, um, the thing that he was talking about is even though these larger blood clots are rare among people who've taken various vaccines, in his practice, 62% of them from these D-dimer tests, which, which measure uh, risk and measure possible morbidity or untoward effects that were happening on much more the micro level at the capillary level. Again, that's according to him, okay, in his clinical practice. And what were the repercussions of that? What would be the repercussions if that is more largely involved than we understand at this point? Um, well, the repercussions are, are that you could begin to develop uh, cardiopulmonary problems. Uh, you could begin to get, as, as you did, as you did, Regina, in our other video, you showed you know, your oxygen efficiency is going way down, your heart rate is going up, and you're creating, if this doctor's explanation is correct, you're creating uh, sticky points that create clotting on the inside of your veins. We, we, we could be a little like uh, the plaque that happens in cardiovascular disease, right? Those fatty plaque. What, the effect, it's a different kind of what would be the effect of plaque buildup potentially? Yes. Or it is showing in some people, but it's still early on. So this takes time right. to happen. Right, but just like with the plaque, there are important steps to take with this because there are ways and therapies that can help deal with, they're called fibrolytics, right? They, they, they break up these fibrin or they break up these kind of horny spike proteins that may be sticking to your capillary cell walls um, in the inside of your blood vessels. So, so that again is where we need to begin to focus on because whether they come from vaccines or from the natural exposure to the disease, we need actual therapies that will allow for greater healing. Much along the lines of Dr. Bruce Patterson, who's doing covidlonghaulers.com and finding out all the ways we can bring together to help people get over long haul COVID you know, whether or not, again, it may be vaccine induced or vaccine related, it may be the natural one. But again, we know now that there is not going to be any herd immunity here. So we have to focus on therapy. So Eugenia, take it away because you've had personal experience with it. <laughs> okay, so I have show and tell going on. First of all, this is not to be construed as medical advice. I'm just showing some of the products we bought and what our doctors recommended to us. And Again, these are the lambrocanase, which are the anti-fibrin products. This is the one we've been taking, no one can pronounce. Baluke, Baluk, however you want to say it. So there it is. Get it on Amazon and other places. And here's a doctor's best version. This costs half as much as this, but I know this one has really strict uh, quality control and clinical studies, so we have a bottle of each. Okay, so... When I actually had the worst of the symptoms, I was told by a doctor I greatly respect to bump it up to six a day. 
And then for maintenance, uh, the doctors takes two, they themselves take two a day. I'm still taking two a day because we don't know how this is going to react in the body long-term. Zeus, if you want to tell your own point of view on this particular thing, because whether it's vaccine, whether we've had vaccines or COVID, we have the spike protein in the body and we do have to start dealing with the potential of any kind of micro or uh, macro clotting going on. So I'll toss it over to you. Well, uh, with regard to uh, safety on these, or what, what do you, what's the question? Yeah, I mean, these, don't, these, are, these are natural supplements. Now, right. my sister was in cardiac care her entire life, and she looked at the label because she's not into alternatives. She mm -hmm. said, oh, this is very similar to a pharmaceutical that we give right. our heart patients anyway. Right. So this is something, that, a technology that is recognized in general. This mm -hmm. just happens to be the over-the-counter natural version of it. This particular one is produced by silkworms. Right. The enzyme to produce. Right. I mean, fibrolytics basically are those things that, in this case, naturally, because it's naturally derived, go through and uh, uh, lumbrokinase, anything that ends in ASE is an enzyme. Yes. And enzymes have specific functions. And if you're, if you're a, a lytic enzyme, right? Lytic means basically lysis, right? Means splitting, right? So what it's doing is it's splitting up proteins or it's splitting up material. And in this case, it's, it, it's going to be splitting up that kind of clotting. It's going to be splitting up those fibrous formations in your body that in this case are maladaptive, right? That are go against your health. Your body is being basically tricked. That's the thing that's the, the most condemning thing about COVID-19. It is tricking your body into doing a whole bunch of things that don't serve its own health, but that at least in the short term serves the virus, okay? Right. It's, getting, and it's, it's, it's even getting into immune cells, by the way, <laughs> and, and messing up their, their, their ability to recognize. So yes. these therapies come in to clean up a lot of the effects of the original virus and COVID. People, again, I have to stress this, the deadly effects of this don't come from the initial virus. That lasts for about a week. The deadly effects come from the after effects of dysregulating the immune system and creating these things, like these, like the, these buildup on the inside and this clotting and uh, cytokine storms and inflammation. That's what's been deadly, you know? So that is what, that's why therapies are so important. Therapies yeah. like this, uh, therapies like the cobra toxin we talked about on patch20.com that, that is uh, involved in, in pain relief, inflammation, anti-cytokine, and so forth. Ivermectin, number one. Ivermectin we talked about, yes. um, which is an example we talked about fluvoxamine. The, the things that were in Trump's melatonin, aspirin, <laughs> zinc, um, it, these things actually have statistical scientific um, weight behind them with regard to therapy, with regard to uh, lowering symptoms, lowering damage, and creating longer-term maintenance. We are now in a phase, we have entered the phase, the great revealer COVID has ushered in this phase of long-term health management. This is not going away. We've had herd exposure, but we will not have herd immunity. And everything is really going to be much more geared toward how we manage ourselves. Now, vaccines can be part of that management system, especially if you're older with underlying conditions, but it cannot be a replacement for therapies and it cannot be a replacement as it's been advertised 
for, uh, for general health, including fear and anxiety, including sleep, including exercise, including good eating of whole food diets, largely plant-based, but that incorporate healthy amounts of, of these other things. So, um, so we're, we're there. We're there already right now. <laughs> and that's yeah. what we need to focus on. I agree. The entire planet is there. We cannot avoid this reality. If we didn't need, if we thought we could cheat and skate and get away with not taking care of our immune system in times past because we were good enough, we can't do that anymore. And that includes our kids. We have to protect them as well. They've been exposed. Many of them have even been vaccinated now. So these same conditions apply to our kids. Just, you know, it's our responsibility to see that we look at immune system management family-wide, planetarily-wide, at least for the foreseeable future until our bodies somehow adapt to this. But we're not there yet. It takes a while for a body to adapt to something foreign like this. Your body is learning the buffering and, and healing mechanisms as we speak. It got a, a kind of unfair enemy thrown in its path, or unfair teacher, if you will, by this, what appear to be genetically altered, uh, by, by most accounts, genetically altered a virus. So our body's playing catch up. And in order to help with that catch up, we need everything on board, a comprehensive approach, not a silver bullet approach or a golden pill approach, okay? And that's true also of, of of things like homeopathics and others. Other people saying, I don't need any of that other stuff at all. I'm only going to do you know, X, Y, or Z. You and I, Regina, we try to look at the whole picture, what the risks and you know, liabilities as well as the benefits are, how they might work together to help each other, regardless of what you do, decide to take a vaccine or not. These are the important things that are gonna make it healthy and the correct another disease the social disease we have of anti versus pro that disease is a big disease and it creates a lot of stress in our lives Uh, it it, it fractures relationships and we need to address that one as well i agree and this whole notion of putting for us vaccine passports rather Mm -hmm. than immunity passports i would rather not have any passport uh, we're going to, it was foisted upon us. Now we have to deal with it, all of us mm-hmm. globally. So mm-hmm. the whole notion of dividing people out, I don't think we need to go too far to find out what kind of agenda this is. Listen mm-hmm. to the latest uh, Catherine Austin Fitz report that mm-hmm. she's done. Uh, she did a, a video with Del, Del Bigtree mm-hmm. and uh, it's really pretty devastating as to what that is going to lead to in her opinion, in terms mm-hmm. of our movement, our freedoms, and our economies. So yeah, check that one out too. Meanwhile, we can still grow our own parallel societies based on good practices, good health, good attitudes, friendship, and helping one another like we're trying to do here today. And just one other tiny little thing, or maybe not so tiny, uh, we don't know, you know, there's debate as to what it means, but those PCR tests they give, they give quiz quick results. As many of you know, those are not going to be used after December 31st because they're, they have not been entirely effective in diagnosing whether you're COVID positive or not. Mm-hmm. And in addition, they're finding that people who have long haulers, where you still have remnants of it in your body, but you're not at all infectious, are coming up testing positive when that's not accurate either. So right. those are gone. 
don't know what they're going to do, but you can still get a legit COVID test by going into your, you know, HMO or whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. Getting your, getting your, uh, getting your tests there. Those are of a different level, different quality. It takes a day or two to get the results. So anything else, Seuss, on this one before we say goodbye and before I pick up a conversation with Dr. Uh, Dan Stock? Well, I would just say, again, we're going to try to summarize this. There are ways for you, and we've done it in previous videos. I did it in one of my videos called Finally a Comprehensive Approach to COVID. But the main thing here is to recognize that the science is on the side of this inclusive, integrated approach. Um, and, and consensus of captured professional societies is not a good indicator because it is just as biased as people who are not doing their research. Well, if not just as biased, it's biased in a different way. I won't, you can't compare apples and oranges. I defy anyone to come up with a better idea than to create a holistic approach in which none of these is considered the end all be all, the thing that's gonna solve it. But all of these things are brought together. We've talked about those, we've talked about rest, we've talked about sleep, we've talked about hydration and exercise and, and, and diet, we've talked about niacinamide, we've talked about bilyoki, cobra toxin, we've talked about um, uh, hyperbaric chamber and vitamin d and on and on and the hyperbaric chamber vitamin d and all the things that they were actually providing for a president but for some reason they're not providing to us you know that bringing these together are going to create the best environment for your health maintenance because Absolutely. It, it draws on the best science it doesn't exclude anything it's not biased for means of profit or biased for means of someone attaching to an ideological agenda Right. We have got to come across these ideological lines and get the best practices and the most proven effective ways together. And there's no one that can argue that won't be superior to any one approach. Yes. And, and that's what you and I have really been advocating for. And I will just advocate, especially right now. I agree. And furthermore, I would challenge anyone to tell me why it's a bad idea to have a little toolkit, a little medicine chest on hand that manages the symptoms if you should get COVID or if you should become symptomatic with COVID. Is there any reason we shouldn't be told about this in a sane and rational way and be well informed as to how we manage these symptoms so we don't become ill or more ill or die? There is no logical reason that that should not be headlines in the media, but it's not, and it's not going to be. So. Again, my friends, we have to rely on one another. Some of you have had amazing experiences yourself, and you've stumbled across some really, really good therapies and health mates as well. Please go ahead and comment at the end of this video as you did last time. We really appreciate your comments because we're all having to learn together on this one because heaven forbid the people there aren't going to teach us anything, not anything useful anyway. Please subscribe if you like these kind of videos and hit the bell or if it's on YouTube and you'll get notified of these kinds of things. Go to reginameredith.com, which has all these videos up there for free. We're doing this to help really get the information out there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and even OurNeighborhood.Earth. Well, also, is, you can sign up on my website, ReginaMerith.com. Just click on the free newsletter, and then you'll be um, informed as every video, every event, everything coming up, so you can join in if you wish to. So until next time, go well, and thank you for taking the time to watch.